Good morning, Burlington Baptist. Uh, we're so excited to be able to worship the Lord this morning. We're excited to be able to sing with some people last week and excited that even more felt comfortable this week. Uh, we had some guests last week, and uh, we've got something set up where if you text our church's phone number, which is 859-586-6529, if you text welcome to that number, uh, we can get some information from you, and we can send you some information about our church. And so just the church's phone number, text welcome to it, and uh, we'll hook up with you. Uh, we're going to make one adjustment to our schedule. Uh, we're going to go back to 9 o'clock and 1030 in June. And so uh, starting next week, June the 7th, uh, you can go online and register, but we'll be a 9 o'clock service and a 1030. Uh, we hope you'll register. And when you feel comfortable coming back, uh, you're sure invited. Uh, I'm going to pray and uh, we're going to jump right into service this morning. And uh, so pray with me. Father, thank you that we can gather today, and uh, we look forward to singing your praises. Uh, we thank you that uh, we're now able to, uh, to gather together, and we're also able to, to stream our services. And so we pray for those that are here and those uh, watching online. We pray that you would speak to us and receive our praise. Uh, Lord, we want to give you much praise, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you, and it is good to have people who are going to sing back at us, and we love that. Uh, so what we want you to do, stand up where you're at, and if you're at home, we want you to stand up too. We want you to wave hi to somebody, and if you're at home, uh, grab somebody and text you on your phone, do whatever, but just tell them you are happy to be with them in spirit this morning.
sing over top of it, but we are not going to pass an offering plate. Um, there's a box on your way out on the left-hand side, and then the dollar club is the clear box on the right-hand side. So um, give as you feel led. We want to thank you again for your faithful giving during this time. It's been interesting, and it's been kind of difficult, but you guys have, have been awesome. So thank you very much for that, and we're going to pray over our offering this morning. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for your grace and and. And for you just to come and, and, and your grace to wash over top of us, Lord, and just, and just clean us off where we have made mistakes and done things wrong. And um, thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes that all possible. Lord, I just thank you for uh, the blessings that we have received during this time and we keep receiving. Lord, we just uh, we love you for that. We thank you so much for that. But we ask for some healing where we need healing, Lord, with those who are sick or, or having operations and things going on. Lord, we just want you to come into those situations and, and do what you can. And we know that that's everything. Lord, we just want to bless this offering in the hands of the, uh, that have given it. And, um, and we just help us to just glorify your kingdom with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
stops working. He's a miracle worker. Amen. Some good singing this morning. I invite you to take a moment and share our services, if you will. Uh, we want to do our part in getting the word out, and so if you'll take a moment and do that. Uh, today ends 40 days of prayer that uh, some of you have journeyed. Uh, we've been praying for spiritual awakening and for God to send a revival, and so keep praying for that. We want God to do something mighty in our land, and I want to encourage you to keep praying for your ones. Uh, we, we know God's still at work, and we want Him to save, and so I just want to encourage you to keep on praying. Today is also Pentecost. Uh, the day that marks the coming of the Spirit and the birth of the church. And, uh, and so the last several weeks, uh, really since COVID-19 started, we've, we've been in this series talking about abounding in hope. And uh, this morning I want to talk about the, the hope that we have because of the coming of the Spirit. And so I'm in Acts chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to find you a Bible. And, and we'll be looking at the first eight verses and a whole lot of Acts chapter 2. 
And, uh, and so I invite you to do that. We'll be able to partake of the Lord's Supper at the end of this service. And so we're excited about that. And I also wanted to mention Sophie uh, Rayford is going to have surgery uh, tomorrow. And we've been praying for her for a long time. And they've got that on the schedule and be leaving, I think, maybe this uh, afternoon and going up for that. And so please keep Sophie in your prayers. All right, the hope that we have because of the coming of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It's talking about the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Father, we pray today that we would experience the power of your Spirit and that you would give us ears to hear the, the gospel, and the work of Christ on the cross and uh, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven, his offer of, of uh, salvation to those who will repent and believe. And Lord, I, I pray that we would abound in hope because the Spirit is here with us, indwells us, empowers us, uses us, convicts us, does all the things that you desire to do in our hearts. And we pray you would do them this morning for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning we want to talk about the coming of the Spirit. And again, we'll, we'll conclude the service by observing the Lord's Supper. But uh, we'll jump in here to Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, Pentecost, the Greek word means 50, and the day of Pentecost was 50 days after uh, Easter, after the resurrection. Now, you can look back to the Old Testament, and uh, Pentecost was, was actually the Greek name for a festival known as the Feast of Weeks, and it marked the end of the, the grain harvest. Well, we don't have time to get too deep into that. You might send in a question, and we could answer it on the podcast, but, but, but Pentecost is especially important to us because it marks the beginning of what we live in, the, the church age, where God is saving and adding to the church. But it's the day that God poured out His Spirit. The apostles were filled with great boldness. They preached the gospel. Many were saved, and the church was birthed. So we're going to read about that this morning. But here in Acts chapter 2, we, we find the apostles gathered together in one place. They're there because Jesus had told them back in chapter 1, uh, verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them, this is talking about Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Spirit, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so this morning as we talk about the coming of the Spirit, uh, God was about to do something new, something powerful, something that would impact the world and something that is still impacting the world today. And so as the disciples were gathered together in one place on the day of Pentecost, it was somewhat uh, reminiscent, I think, of the Last Supper. In, in both instances, the disciples were together for what proved to be very important events. 
Uh, if you remember at the Last Supper, Jesus was there with his disciples, and they witnessed the establishment of the new covenant. Uh, and that new covenant would be brought about through the death of Jesus, the shedding of his blood. And so he kind of transitioned the Passover meal into what we will observe this morning, the, the Lord's Supper. And we'll take time to remember his sacrifice and then to look forward to his return. But here on the day of Pentecost, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, uh, the disciples were, uh, they witnessed the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would come and would indwell the believers and would birth uh, what we know as the New Testament church, which we're a part of. And so uh, the Pentecost seems to be a, a sort of link between the completion of Christ's earthly ministry and, in the, and we know that that culminated on the cross when Jesus gave his life for our sins and then he was raised from the, the grave. That was kind of the completion of that work and then the commencement of the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And so in regards to our series on abounding in hope uh, that we've been talking about, I want us to see this morning the hope that was brought about by the coming of the Holy Spirit. I got three really simple points this morning. The first one is the coming of the Holy Spirit was foretold, foretold by Jesus. And so if you turn back just a few pages into John chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples point blank that I am going away and I'm going to send the Spirit to you. So John chapter 16, uh, verse 5, uh, but I'm, uh, now I'm going to him who sent me to the Father, and none of you ask me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. In other words, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to go away, and the disciples were sorrowful. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, I just want to point out what Jesus said specifically there in verse 7. He said to the disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, do you, did the disciples think it was to their advantage that Jesus would go away? Well, No. They didn't want Jesus to leave. They could see no advantage in Jesus going away. And, but Jesus knew the advantages of him going back to the Father and the Spirit coming. He, he knew that the Spirit would come and indwell. The Spirit would come and take up residence in the believers and empower the believers, all the believers. Uh, Jesus was only at one place at, at one time with the disciples, but now the Spirit would come and, and dwell us all. And Jesus knew that he would be able to go back to, to the heavenly throne room and intercede to the Father on our behalf. And that's what he's doing even today. He's interceding for us. Now, we understand the disciples. They, they love Jesus' presence and his power, his miracles, his teachings. And uh, they didn't realize the advantage of the Spirit being poured out upon the believers. And again, all that the, the Spirit would accomplish in the believers. They, they didn't understand that. But I think it's theologically correct to say that God was about to do something new when Jesus ascended back to heaven and, and the Spirit came. Now, listen, church, I know when we hear new or we hear change, uh, some of us cringe. 
Now, I've heard this phrase, new normal, so many times, it makes me cringe. Uh, most estimate that 80 to 85% of things will eventually go back to normal. And some of that's okay. I mean, getting together to, to worship Jesus, uh, that can't get back to normal quick enough. And coming together for the teaching of the Word of God and inviting people into a relationship with, with God, we want that to get back to normal. And, but I would say I, I got a little excited a, a few months ago when I saw churches, I mean, including ours, push themselves to do ministry when you couldn't come together. And so whether it's live streaming the services or doing podcasts or Zoom meetings or, or life groups getting creative in ministry and the church checking on one another, uh, I mean, the desire we had as churches was to get the message out, to stay connected, to minister to our folks, to, uh, to continue to make disciples. Uh, we want to continue to do those things. And, and so I don't know about you, but I've seen more preaching and teaching online than ever. And those are good things. What about the, maybe God wants to get us out of our comfort zone. Get us out of our ruts. And maybe God wants to do something new. And, you know, the church, we've been losing ground for, for a long time. And, and listen, here's the truth. Uh, many of our churches have been losing ground. And all the while, we've remained pretty fat, dumb, and happy, if you will. And uh, we're kind of on cruise control. And yet the truth is there are lots of people around us and in our communities that are on a broad road leading to hell. And we're pretty comfortable in the church. Now, I know most of us resist change. And uh, the disciples didn't want change. They didn't want Jesus to leave. But then they got to experience the Spirit's power in their lives. And church, I want us to live in the Spirit's power. Listen, I don't even know what all that means, uh, but listen, I, I know that there is power in the Spirit. And, and, and honestly, I, I don't want things to go back to the way they were if, if we aren't having any impact on the lives of each other and on our community uh, for the sake of Christ. We ought not to want to go back to that and, and just spin our wheels and, and not be accomplishing anything for the sake of Christ. So Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit was coming. Uh, we come to the book of Acts. This is after the cross and after the resurrection. Uh, and here's what Jesus said in, in verse 5 of chapter 1. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, again immersed, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus knew that the Spirit was going to be poured out. Uh, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, listen, when the Spirit comes, you're going to go out there and you're going to be my witnesses. It's going to start here in Jerusalem, and it's not going to stop until you get to the ends of the earth. And so not only was the coming of the Holy Spirit foretold, but secondly, the coming of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled, and it's fulfilled on Pentecost. And so chapter 2, verse 1, the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, verse 2, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. I, I'm not sure if you ask that question, what does that look like? I'm not sure what that looks like, divided tongues on fire. I don't know what that looks like, but it was powerful. 
Verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'll point out there, the word tongues there is glossa. It means languages. They were able to speak in other languages. This was so amazing. Verse 7 says, And they were amazed and astonished. The Jews there that were there in Jerusalem to, to observe this, this festival of, of weeks, they, they were amazed and astonished, verse 7, saying, Are not all these speaking Galileans? These are just the country folk Galileans, and they're speaking in other languages. Verse 8 says, And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Now, you can keep reading and read about where, where different parts that they were from, and they had different languages in those different areas, and yet on this particular day, they could hear the gospel in their own language. It's powerful. That's the power of the Spirit. Verse 14, But Peter, standing with the eleven, the other eleven disciples, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And so Peter is filled with boldness, and he says, You better listen up. i got a word for you. And he lifts his voice. He begins to preach. Let me just share a little bit of what he preaches that day. Verse 22, Men of Israel, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, and, and they did know, I mean, they're familiar with the works of Jesus. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. This Jesus, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You crucified him, God raised him up. Uh, look down at verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of all that, we are all witnesses. We are so convinced because we saw the risen Lord. He appeared to us. We saw him with our eyes. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing in here. And so the resurrected Lord has ascended back to the Father and he has poured out his Spirit. That's, that's what's going on around you, Peter says. Notice in verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him who you crucified. God has made him Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So, church, this, wow, what's going on here? I just want to remind you who it is that's speaking. This is Peter, and we know we can look back uh, into the Gospels, and this is the Peter who three times on the night of his betrayal said, I don't know him. Weren't you with him? No, not me. I don't know him. But Peter's been in, filled with the Spirit and emboldened by the Spirit. I mean, even the disciples, the disciples are there with them. Now, if you look back to John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, this is Resurrection Day, the doors are being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
us. And so just a few weeks earlier, the disciples are fearful of the Jews. They're locked in a room, and Jesus appears to them. And, and I want you to notice the difference that the resurrection of Jesus made in their lives, and not just the resurrection, but now the coming of the Spirit has dramatically changed them, and they're filled with boldness. And that gets us to our third point, the coming of the Spirit was fruitful. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 8 and 9? Let me just read that again. Verse 8 says, uh, But when He comes, the Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. They didn't believe. There was a sin of unbelief. And so uh, Peter preaches powerfully on the day of Pentecost. Again, verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard that, verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were cut or pierced to the heart. This word is only used in this one place in the New Testament, and it means to to stab in the heart. This is what happens when they heard who Jesus was and what they had done. The Spirit pierced their heart and opened their eyes to the truth. And church, their eyes was opened to something unfathomable. They had killed their Messiah. I mean, they had longed for the Messiah. The prophets had told about the coming Messiah, and the Messiah had come, and they had not only missed the Messiah, but they had killed the Messiah, and they would stand before God guilty. And can you imagine what they're thinking? Oh, my goodness, we have killed the Messiah. What is God going to do to us? You're talking about the most monstrous crime in history. You're talking about the fear of the Lord came upon them. They had killed him. But Peter says he's not dead. Verse 24, God raised him up. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so uh, God raised him up. You killed him. God raised him up and has seated him, exalted him at the right hand of God. And when the Spirit opened their eyes, notice what they say in verse 37. When they heard this, they they cried out, Brothers, what shall we do? We know we're in trouble. We've killed the Messiah. We've killed the Son of God. What should we do? And listen, if you're here listening this morning and you're still living in your sins and you've never received the forgiveness of your sins through repentance and faith, you, you better ask that same question. What should I do? And Peter's answer is the same answer that we would give you today. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Church, isn't that an amazing picture of grace? Shocking grace. They have killed the Son of God. They have killed their Messiah. I mean, can you feel the weight of their guilt and and shame and conviction? And yet there is this merciful word of grace. What shall we do? Repent and believe and you'll receive the forgiveness of your sin. Isn't that a, a word of grace? Verse 39 says, And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, verse 40, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, say, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 
thousand sows. And we read that and we say, wow. The Spirit came and stabbed the hearts of those who murdered the Messiah. And they felt the burden of their crime so profoundly. And they feared the vengeance of God that would fall upon them that they cried out, what shall we do? And they realized that they had done something they probably thought they could never undo. And they received this staggering word from Peter, repent, be baptized, receive forgiveness, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to receive this forgiveness and this gift of the Holy Spirit from the one that you executed, from the one who rose from the dead, who ascended to heaven, who sits at the right hand of the Father. He will give you the same spirit that he has given us. And so Peter's invitation was to repent. Now, church, we know what that word means, don't we? Repent means to turn and to go the other way. It means to turn and go in the opposite direction in regards to your thinking about Christ and, and to turn from your sins. That word repent is a, is a rich New Testament word, metaneia. Wayne Grudem defines repentance as a heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it, and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. And so let's, let's just have a little discussion about the role of repentance in salvation. John the Baptist preached uh, repentance. When Jesus came and began his preaching ministry, uh, Matthew 4, 17 says, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Peter preaches here, he immediately calls people to repent. And so scripture seems to put repentance and faith together as different aspects of the one act of coming to Christ for salvation. We could say that repentance and faith are, are really two sides of the same coin that leads us to salvation. And so verse 38, Peter said, repent or turn and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Repent and, and basically he's saying make a public profession of Christ which is symbolized by baptism. And so, church, Peter wasn't calling them to something nonchalant. Coming to faith in Christ uh, really meant that they had to turn their back on their way of life. Judaism, the, the sacrificial system, the priesthood, all, all of that, that that it entailed, turn your back on that and be a follower of Jesus Christ, the one that you have crucified the one that you said was a blasphemer you got to turn to him and follow him and this call to baptism uh, and repentance was a call to uh, to give up your old way of living and this call to baptism could cost them their family their friends their jobs their life it was a high calling to follow Jesus and be baptized and by calling them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter, he's just saying, you can't be a secret disciple. You've got to draw a line in the sand. You've got to come and turn and follow Jesus and be baptized. And baptism would mark a public break from their religious system, and it would be their identification with Jesus Christ. And so verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And listen, church, verse 41 says that day some 3,000 souls were added to the church. Repented of their sins, were baptized. I mean, does that excite anybody today? 
And I want you to know that same spirit that emboldened and empowered the disciples on the day of Pentecost is the same spirit that indwells us when we come to faith in Christ. The same spirit that convicts us of our sin is the same spirit that calls us to repentance. And, and I believe the spirit might be calling some of you to repentance this morning. And I said that the coming of the Spirit marked the, the birth of the church. I, I want you to know this morning that you are invited to be a part of His church. And you come into His church by turning from your sins and trusting yourself and trusting in Jesus and Him alone for your salvation. And, and Peter's words, and notice verse 39, For this promise is for you. What, what promise is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the promise of the forgiveness of their sins back in verse 38. And he says it's not just for the Jews, but verse 39, it's for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. I, I, I don't want to water down the end of verse 39. Everyone the Lord calls to himself. And it's a reminder here that salvation is ultimately a work of God. But listen, in God's providence, if we look back to chapter 2, verse 21 here in Acts, uh, and, and here Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2, but verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That everyone there surely includes you. And so as we come to a close this morning, we begin to hopefully prepare our hearts for uh, the Lord's Supper and be reminded of Christ's sacrifice on our sins. It was His sacrifice that makes all this possible. Now let's, this morning, let's invite the Spirit to, to search our hearts and to convict us of sin and to call us to repentance and maybe bring some to salvation. And we're thankful for the work of the Spirit. Jesus said when the Spirit comes back in, in John 16 that he, he will bring the conviction of our sins, the conviction of our unbelief, and the realization that judgment is coming. And so I suspect that there are some listening who need to get serious with God about their sins. And maybe there's some, maybe there's unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness, Envy, lust, I, I, I don't know what, what, what you might be dealing with, but I know this, the Spirit does. Maybe there's a husband who needs to confess something to God about a lack of purity, or maybe there's a single person or a wife. I, again, I don't know, but, but the Spirit knows, and the Spirit convicts and reminds us of the judgment. And so this morning, uh, you're invited to to get on your knees before God and confess your sins. I'd be glad to speak with you about a relationship with Christ. Again, we have a system where you can text the church's phone number, 586-6529, and you can put the word Jesus or the word decision, and it'll just contact us and let us know uh, that you want to be contacted. And we'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Christ or, or whatever else the Spirit may be convicting you of this morning. Uh, but I invite you to... Join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper and sing to the Lord. Father, we come desperate this morning and we confess our sins. We confess our need for you. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, deliver us from our religious traditions and routines, our pride, our, 
our self-righteousness, our fears of what others think. Holy Spirit, we, we've been reminded of what you accomplished when you came, and we, we just want to invite you to do a work in our hearts. Start with me. Uncover secret sin in my heart. Lead me to repentance and, and then to victory over sin. And I, I don't want to hide anything from you. And Father, we know that not only do you convict us of sin, but you, you give us power to overcome sin. You give us forgiveness of sin. Lord, we want to be a holy people. We want to look more like Jesus. Father, we know we continually pursue things other than, than Jesus in our lives, and often we give you our leftovers. Forgive us of that. And we pray that by your Spirit, you, you would ignite the passions of our heart for you, that our worship and our service, our witnessing, our attitudes would be pleasing in your sight. And, and we pray that your name would be lifted high here in Boone County. And we pray that there would be a hunger, uh, an awakening for your glory. Uh, we pray that for our land, uh, that you would send revival. And uh, Lord, you're worthy of, of our worship. We want to give that to you this morning. So cleanse us by your spirit and make us holy. Give us victory over sin. We, we know you called us to live in your spirit. And so, Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would bring salvation through repentance and faith this morning to anyone that may be lost, that you would open their eyes, that you would soften their hearts, and that they would come right now and be saved. And, and then, Father, prepare our hearts to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if the Spirit has shown you something you need to deal with this morning, we, we just invite you to respond to His promptings. Now, if you need to be saved, we'd, we'd love to help you with that. If Maybe you need to be baptized this morning and, and make that line in the sand saying, I'm going to follow Jesus and I want the world to know. We invite you to respond.
the Spirit's uh, primary role is to point us to Jesus. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is by observing the Lord's Supper. And we've not been able to do that for a while. Uh, but we're so excited to be able to do that together as the family of God. And uh, we'll give you just a moment maybe to get your supplies. Maybe just get some crackers and juice if you don't have it. We're going to use the, the prepackaged stuff uh, this time so we don't have to pass anything out. Uh, but I'm going to pray and uh, then give you just a, a couple of instructions uh, about, the, uh, about the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you want to take a moment, this prepackaged, the, the bread's on top, and so you got to get the first little thin layer, and you got to pull that off to get the bread. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you figure that out for just a second. And, and while you're doing that, I, I just want to read this warning that Paul gives to the church. Uh, the Lord's Supper is for believers, uh, those who have repented and believed in Jesus. And then they've examined their hearts and confessed their sins. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so let's pray. Father, before we partake of this piece of bread and this juice that represents your body and blood, may uh, we examine our hearts, confess our sins. We don't want anything to stand between our relationship with, with you uh, because you died for our sins and you loved us so much. And we praise you for that today. And so may we be reminded today of what you did for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you want to take that piece of bread, here's what Paul said. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for giving your blood on the cross to give us forgiveness of sin. We remember that today. We celebrate your sacrifice that forgives us, that brings us into your family, that gives us your spirit, that gives us an inheritance. And Lord, not only do we remember today, uh, but we celebrate the fact that one day you're going to come back for your church. And, you know, we look forward to that. And we cry, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And uh, we know that night the uh, disciples and Jesus went out singing, and, and uh, we'll go out with the song this morning as well. Forgiveness is like sweet. 